Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest is Tom Pettit, Chief Operations and Supply Chain Officer at Xylem. Xylem is a leading global water technology company committed to solving the world's critical wastewater and water-related challenges through technology, innovation, and expertise. Tom joins us on today's program to talk about the challenges for B2B leaders when it comes to providing their customers with high-quality experiences and what specific metrics can help industry leaders prepare their organizations for use cases in VR training and other generative AI tools. Without further ado, here's their conversation. Tom, thanks so much for being with us on the program today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Matthew. Xylem occupies a really interesting space when it comes to B2B workflows and heavy industry. And it's a great pleasure to have you on the program. We're just very curious, especially from the global supply chain side and, you know, taking the perspective of the C-suite. What do you see as the biggest challenges for B2B leaders when it comes to field services? Well, Matthew, some of the biggest challenges we have is customer expectations are only increasing in the B2B space, just like they are in the B2C space. We've become accustomed as consumers to faster and and cheaper and better, and the same is true in the B2B space. And uh, we also have labor constraints increasing as well, and we've got lots of great uh, new technology in competition that we have to uh, create value from so that we can deliver great value for our customers and and win against our competition. Absolutely. So just in terms of the customer expectations, especially for the B2B side, and even really, really diving into there, I'm curious as to what ends up being, you know, kind of the analysis and the ultimate pain points that the customers are feeling in those spaces and just how specific they are maybe to the space that you're in versus, you know, general supply chain problems that I know a lot of folks out there have been experiencing, at least since through the end of COVID. Sure. I mean, the expectations are around quality and uptime. Xylem has a lot of digital assets on our customers' equipment. We serve a lot of uh, utility, water utility customers and industrial uh, Mm -hmm. customers who consume water, and they want high quality water, they want it affordable, and they want their assets up. In many cases, they have water equipment that is critical to their operations, such as pure water for a chip fabrication plant or pure water for a healthcare and and hospital plant. So if those assets are down, that has a a significant impact on uh, the customer base. And so asset uptime and quality and reliability is really critical in uh, in our space. Absolutely. And just to even, before we get into the real data solutions, just kind of like, all right, even trying to collect data on uh, the problems and be proactive. I know a lot of our listeners are very up to date in terms of manufacturing use cases and what's out there in terms of uh, predictive maintenance, you know, knowing that machines are going to break down ahead of time. So there's no unplanned downtime, which you absolutely can't have for water systems, for hospitals, as I'm sure you're well aware. And I, I know there's still even a lot of opportunities there that get realized. And I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about, you know, how data is being taken and where in those spaces that, you know, especially the C-suite might be seen 
seeing opportunities elsewhere for, for growth and possibly even upsell opportunities in those spaces. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll give an example in our field service for our rental fleet. We rent a lot of uh, pumps to construction companies and water utilities. They care about uptime of that equipment. And so when we have diagnostics on that equipment, we can understand its condition and its usage. And so there's revenue opportunities there. For example, if that asset is being used in a heavier condition, we want to make sure that we are, we are charging for that heavier condition. If that asset is available because it's not running, we want to be able to redeploy that to uh, another customer. And if that asset is down, we want to be able to repair that as quickly and cheaply as possible. So those remote diagnostics and uh, remote monitoring give us the data to be able to monetize, Mm -hmm. increase utilization, and increase productivity of the field service force, which is in limited supply. Absolutely. And I know we we talked a little bit about this in, in the run-up to our conversation today. I know you put a little bit about this into your first answer, but there's also among these challenges, there's the sort of a skills crunch out there among the li- very limited labor pool. What's the approach that you see being taken out there for B2B leaders in order to close this gap? And what role would data be playing in, in helping solve that problem? The skills crunch is obviously we've got a lot of senior technical people retiring and and people younger in the workforce aren't as technically astute. So we need to be able to help them be more productive and learn faster. So there's things that we can do such as augmented reality and virtual reality. Maybe you have a senior skilled technician remote who can help a more uh, junior, less skilled technician with a thorny problem using augmented or virtual reality. You could also make sure that we have the right parts and tools available for that asset that needs repaired by being able to have the data which shows what's the fault condition and what parts it might need. So technician utilization is a third factor. You have limited technician hours and you want to make sure you're doing as much repairs and revenue generating work associated with that. So certain things we can do on technician utilization, such as not sending them out on wasted trips to actions that could be done remotely, wasted trips for not having the right tools, materials, wasted time from excessive windshield time and driving. If you can route the calls closely Mm -hmm. together and geographically, you can save the windshield time and improve utilization. And also wasted technician time searching, for example, mobile equipment. Where is that a remote job site? and being able to find that. So really improving the technician utilization and improving the technician skill and the ramp time of that technician are three things that data and technology can help us do. Yeah, absolutely. And and a very clear idea of the metrics there, which which I know our audience will appreciate. Just in terms of, of even that skills crunch or even just kind of the problem of employee churn, usually when it comes up on the show, it's in the context of we're going to lose that technical knowledge, that organizational knowledge, that, that expertise. And I know a big use case in terms of AI going into the future, we haven't even brought up general of AI yet. And that might be a record for this show, at least in the past year that we haven't brought up generative AI, at least within the first 10 minutes of the program. But here we go. Let's dive into it. One of the major use cases uh, for generative AI is that it's able to retain, you know, the technical and organizational knowledge, even with high employee churn, no matter who leaves. Do you see this as a, as a potential uh, positive use case for your industry or at least B2B workflows? Absolutely. It's very powerful. 
you can put in uh, the fault codes and you know when I see this, mm -hmm. what might be things to do. And it can be an interactive learning through previous technician diagnostics and through various workflows to be able to prompt that technician as to what to do next and, and how to solve the problem faster using, using history and using really machine learning to guide that technician on what to do next. So the technician doesn't have to have as much of that tribal knowledge and skill and the AI uh, machine learning can help serve that up to the technician to make them more effective faster. Absolutely. And we see that uh, across sectors as well, at least at least on the horizon. It's not quite a widespread use case just yet, but yeah, definitely huge potential there across industries. Just in speaking of B2B leaders leveraging data tools, I, I, I think we've mentioned this at one point in one of your answers. And I know once again that this came up in, in, in the lead up to scheduling this podcast, but I know a huge metric, at least for you guys, is return on invested capital. And I don't mean to be too pedantic here, but I, I really do think that specific metric is is really interesting in terms of how uh, the difference that it measures in a few different places. And I was wondering if you could tell us uh, for a little bit why invested capital, why ROIC is, is so important, at least in your experience, to, to really tracking progress here. Sure. When we think about investor value creation for public companies or private companies, we want to have a return on invested capital that is greater than our cost of capital. Right. To use the wonky term, the weighted average cost of capital. And we know with interest rates and everything going up, that weighted average cost of capital has gone up as well. So return on invested capital, really the formula is your revenue minus your cost. So that's your return and then divided by your invested capital. And your invested capital could be essentially the assets you have and then the inventory and parts and payables and receivables you have. So when we talk about field service and technicians, we can improve all three of those levers, revenue, cost, and invested capital using data and technology. On the revenue side, if there is an asset, as I mentioned, that's being used in a heavier capacity or more. You can make sure you're billing for that. If that asset is idle, you could redeploy that asset to another location to increase your revenue. And if that asset is down, you can repair that asset to get that back in service to increase revenue. In some cases, customers paying for the utilization of that. So the more that asset is up, the better you're going to get return. And of course, if you have faster service levels and higher quality, you can charge a higher price, which is going to improve your revenue as well. On the cost side, there's many things that we can do. I mentioned the uh, utilization of the technicians by having the right parts, right. by reducing the windshield time, by remotely diagnosing it, that if it has to be returned to a shop for a major overhaul, you know what needs to be done in advance. You've got the AI machine learning to help your technicians do those types of things faster so that your cost is lower. And then on the invested capital side, if you are able to keep those assets highly utilized, you do not need as many of them. And uh, obviously, then you have less invested capital tied up. You need less inventory. You need less capital equipment. You're able to maybe do your receivables faster with your customers. So you can really improve the invested capital largely through asset utilization and reducing inventory. 
makes a lot of sense. That sounds like at least a widespread of use cases that are that are at least, you know, present right now and at least being put into effect in, in you know, very mature use cases. I, I wanted to turn back actually to virtual and augmented reality because I definitely think for our more general audience, I know I know there's huge spaces in different sectors where this is already here and it's really big. But I think even, you know, even for the general public, you know, folks may have barely tried on an Oculus Rift or whatever the the VR headset is for for Meta. It slips my mind right now. But this seems a little bit more out into the future, just in your experience and just keeping this in proximity to the industry. Are we there in terms of already training technicians with VR? Is this something a little bit more on the horizon? I've seen it in a prior company that I worked at uh, for technicians with a dealer channel. It was served by a, a skilled technician back in the in the home office, and it's things that we're looking at at Xylem for our technician force as well. There's really simple things you can do short of augmented reality, virtual reality, and special headsets. You can just have a camera on the piece of equipment and have someone remotely looking at what you're doing and you know telling you where to look and where to move the tool and what to take off next. So there's even some, I'll say some lower tech, just, you know, remote video capabilities that, you know, a mom and pop, you know, technician shop could use to be able to help out a lower skill technician with a higher skill technician. Sure. And that may be where we see kind of the lines blurring between kind of, you know, computer vision use cases and then full blown uh, virtual or in augmented reality. Even just going back to the experience at your prior position where it seemed like this use case was really well developed. I'm interested in what organizational data or at least infrastructure may have gone into that. Now, I'll put a bookmark here because I know we could probably spend a a whole episode really, really diving into that. But I'm wondering if we can give our audience kind of an idea of, you know, obviously they can't just jump right into this or even just, you know, maybe take the data infrastructure that they have and and just bring in a VR team that paste over on top and and expect it all to work. Just in terms of at least, you know, this is an adoption process and something that needs to be cultivated over over a long period of time. What data from the organization ends up becoming important in that process? And maybe if we can get an idea of what the preparation is like to get an organization to really put something like VR to use. Sure. The two main pieces of of data that you would need would be what is the asset that you need to be working on remotely. So, you know, a serial model number, and then that would then pull up the drawings and so you need to have an exploded bill of material view of, of the equipment, as well as a service bill of material, so that as you're looking at it, your virtual reality can recognize the shape of whether it's the engine or the alternator or the filter or the drive shaft, et cetera, and compare that against the drawing so that it knows what those pieces of equipment are, and then be able to reference that to your service manuals. So you're basically trying your, your service your diagram to your service manuals and and steps to be able to pull those together. Very, very interesting stuff. And I I think that, like I said, we could probably spend a whole podcast just talking about that, which means we'll have to have you back. But I think that gives our, our audience a really clear indication, at least of where the foundation is and how to at least get started. Tom, it's been an absolute blast. I think this might be one of the more, I don't know if our audience has learned more faster than a particular episode than this one. So we really, really appreciate having you on the program. Honored to be here. Thank you, Matthew, and the audience.
You know, in drawing a close to today's episode, I know we spoke about in the introduction that there would be a comprehensive list of metrics that Tom was going to list in today's episode that will be instrumental for B2B leaders across heavy industry and other sectors to properly leverage data in a way that's going to open up those next generation artificial intelligence use cases. Tom had mentioned both VR training and a number of generative AI use cases as well. I think it's worth going back to those specific metrics. He he mentioned ROIC or return on invested capital. And I think everyone will note that I had a specific question in that regard. But also he listed a number of really, really intriguing metrics just around problems that field service technicians face aging, retiring of a skilled workforce and a lack of skilled technicians, wasted trips to sites for actions that could be done remotely, wasted trips to sites for not having the right tools, materials and skills, wasted technician utilization from excessive and wasted windshield time driving, wasted technician time searching for mobile equipment in remote job sites. And I know this is a little specific, at least to how Xylem does things, although I think that alone has broad application definitely across manufacturing and other industries. But I think that also sets a template, even just, I know know we talked so much just about downtime, at least on our manufacturing-oriented episodes of the show. But just to see how a company really breaks down that time in a workflow, I, I think is really instructive, especially for our audience. And I appreciate Tom's contribution to the show, especially today. On behalf of Daniel Figella, our CEO and head of research here at Emerge, as well as the entire Emerge team, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast. Podcast.